Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Hello, my name is Louise, but everyone calls me Lou. From the outside, it probably looks like I have the most glamorous life. I come from a rich family. I go to a prominent private college in New York, and I live in a mansion called Plutus Heights with my group of friends. Sounds pretty epic, right? I mean, who wouldn't want to live with a bunch of rich kids? Well, just wait. So many unexpected things were about to happen to me, including my current dreamy boyfriend. And it all started the day I moved into Plutus Heights. Before I dive into all the crazy stuff that happened to me, let me tell you a bit more about myself. My parents run a super successful restaurant chain. From fast food joints to fine dining, they cover it all. Because of this, I've always been interested in the food industry, so that's why I chose to study economics and food industry management. However, there was just one small problem. I was still living at home with my parents, and I have a five-year-old little brother, so it was pretty distracting. All my friends were living in their own fancy loft apartments, and I wanted that independent life too. Well, lucky for me, it was just around the corner. One day, my dad invited a business friend he'd met earlier that year over for dinner. He was big in the tech world, and my dad loved these kinds of networking dinners. This guy brought his family, and that's when I met Aaliyah. She was the same age as me, and we had so much in common. In fact, she even studied at the same college as me. The best part was that when my dad mentioned that he was looking for a place for me to start living independently, Aaliyah suddenly said, Lou, oh my god, you should totally move into the mansion I live in. This was what I wanted. I was so scared my parents would say no, but actually, they were totally on board. I think they realized it was time I had my own space. Finally, the day came to move into Plutus Heights. I couldn't believe it when we pulled up outside it. It looked like a palace. Honestly, it was like something out of a European fairy tale. There were pillars and even two white lions by the front door. It was crazy. I seriously expected a butler to appear. Aaliyah was waiting by the door for me and gave me the grand tour. I think my jaw almost hit the marble floor. Who would have thought that this mansion was for students to live? The entire interior of this mansion was very luxurious and splendid, but the more she showed me, the more I started to feel uncomfortable. These fancy things just didn't fit me. I wasn't into showing off at all, but it seemed like this palace was built for that reason. But what could I do? I was already there, so I guess I just have to get used to it. As Aaliyah showed me around, she told me about the other students who lived there. Jeremy, Will, and Mark were the three guys who owned the place. Well, their parents owned it, but technically, it was theirs now. They were all best friends, and Jeremy's girlfriend Naomi also lived there. But Naomi had been uncomfortable with being the only girl, so she'd asked Aaliyah to move in too. 
Aaliyah's family weren't exactly over the moon about her living with three boys and a couple, so they felt much better now knowing that I was going to be living there too. Weirdly enough, my parents were fine about the fact I'd be living with three boys, and after a few days living here, I realized that it was totally fine too, because I barely had any contact with the others. It was only after a few months when they threw a welcome party for a newbie called David that I really got to know them. David was Mark's cousin and had just enrolled at our college, majoring in business management. Aaliyah told me that David was quite an extravagant person and came from a seriously rich family, so he thought the first must-do thing was throwing a welcome party for him. I almost laughed. He must be very famous, or really desired to be famous. But to be honest, I'd have hated flashy parties anyway. The party was held on the lawn of the mansion, and Aaliyah had warned me to dress accordingly. And when Aaliyah saw me wearing jeans and a blouse, she immediately dragged me to her room and lent me the most flashy dress I've ever seen. I felt so ridiculous in it. Yes, I was born into the US elite, but it just wasn't my style to wear fancy clothes and show off like this. As soon as we went down to the party, Jeremy, Will, and Mark were already surrounded by a group of girls. Typical, right? What else do you expect from rich, handsome guys? Jeremy is African-American and is pretty much John Legend's twin. He barely turned up to class and instead spent most of his time out singing. Actually, he was already pretty famous and Aaliyah told me he was worth millions already. He was a total babe magnet and all the girls were swarming around him. Honestly, he was such an attention seeker. I basically rolled my eyes when I saw him. Then there was Mark. At first, I'd been excited to meet him because his family ran an investment company and he was the head of the college's investment club, where he taught people how to invest their money, family money, wink wink, to make smart investment decisions. I immediately joined the club, but I quickly regretted it. Mark was so strict, he made us investigate various companies' financial situations and report back to him. Then, if we got something wrong, he'd call us out in front of everyone. It was humiliating. Loads of people dropped out of the club, and I almost did too. Okay, and I can't forget Will. He was studying engineering, and he always said good morning to me and smiled at me. Seemed to be the most gentle guy here. Out of the three guys, he was the only one who really greeted me. And yet, that's as far as it went. For some reason, he kept his distance. He smiled, but it felt cold somehow. I figured it was because he basically came from a royal family, and that kindly expression was just glued to their face. You know, to dangerously hide something inside them. Anytime I approached him, he would just smile, then walk away. And it wasn't just me. He showed no interest in any of the girls at the party either. But anyway, that's enough about the boys. The party was now in full swing, and I was standing there all by myself, feeling awkward. I had to find someone to talk to, but Aaliyah was too busy with her friends. Just at that moment, Naomi arrived in the most ridiculous haute couture dress. Oh, I haven't told you about Naomi yet. Okay, so she is basically a celeb. Her whole family are celebs, and she's been a model since she was 15. Unlike her boyfriend Jeremy, she was quite hard to approach. She was really sassy and didn't have much time for anyone, unless they were a celeb too. As soon as Jeremy saw Naomi, he pushed all the other girls away and headed towards her for a kiss. The party was already driving me crazy and it had just started. I was about to go back to my room when I spotted David sitting alone under a tree on the lawn. 
I plucked up the courage to go chat to him and asked if he was okay. He said, What do you think? This is meant to be my party. But just look around. I might as well be invisible. Then he told me that since college, everything had gone downhill. He was no longer the popular guy he'd once been. I was about to sit down next to him and comfort him when all of a sudden, something smashed. I quickly turned around and there were two girls standing there with shards of a porcelain statue around their feet. The whole party had gone silent and everyone was just staring in shock. One of the girls came right up to David and yelled out, You think it's okay to just dump my friend by text and then move right on to the next girl? David just grinned and said, She just couldn't satisfy me anymore. Then, the friend of his ex shouted, Oh boy, you couldn't afford her. What are you expecting? At that, David went bright red and shouted, There's nothing I can't afford. I guessed that the girl's comment hurt David's pride because he looked so hurt and angry and started rushing towards her. So I quickly jumped in between them to hold him back. Suddenly, David grabbed my hand and said, At least I'm with a more mature girl now. Someone who actually deserves me. I was so embarrassed. Everyone was watching, and I hated being in the spotlight like this. I didn't know what else to do, so I just played along and kept on holding his hand. The girls both looked so shocked and started walking away, but David quickly called out to them. Oh, by the way, girls, that statue you just smashed, it cost $2 million. You can split the bill. Thanks. They both just froze and watched as David kissed me on the cheek and pulled me away. I could feel their eyes piercing into my back, and I swear I was shaking. I was so nervous! Also, I might have been kind of nervous because this gorgeous boy was holding my hand and not letting go. For the rest of the party, he kept introducing me to everyone as his girlfriend, getting me drinks from the bar, and always making sure I was okay. No one had ever been so sweet to me before. And before the party was up, I thought to myself that David was actually a pretty cool guy, not at all how I'd expected him to be. Little did I know that the next day, I'd discover another side to him. I woke up to David knocking on my door. As soon as I saw him, my heart started beating faster. Do you want to come in? I asked him. Then he just winked and said, Duh, Lou. I couldn't wait to see you again. In fact, would you be interested in going on a date with me? I wanted to thank you for the night. I could feel my face going bright red. Then I looked at him and said, Um, sure. Why not? Well, let's just say the date wasn't what I had in mind. First, he took me to the mall. I was so confused. Then I realized he must have been embarrassed by my simple clothes. He said he wanted to treat me to some expensive clothes, which annoyed me. That wasn't my style at all. Why was he trying to change me? Then he took me to a club to meet all his friends, and he kept ordering the most expensive bottles of wine. He was just showing off, and I hated it. Then it got worse when a group of beautiful girls arrived. As soon as he saw them, he left me sitting there all alone and started flirting with them. Aaliyah was right. He was nothing but a playboy, and I'd had enough. So much for a date. I told David I wanted to go home, and he got angry. He said I was a spoil sport, and then laughed saying I didn't know how to have fun. I was furious, so I said to him, Why did you even invite me on this date? Just so you could show off and pretend you had a girlfriend? I didn't even wait for him to reply, 
I just left and took a taxi home. I could barely sleep that night. I felt so annoyed at myself for almost falling for such an idiot. Then the next morning, things got even worse. I went downstairs and found Mark, Will, and Jeremy talking about David. They said he'd been arrested and put in a jail cell. Apparently, he'd been driving drunk, and when the police stopped him and fined him, he got mad and resisted them. So now he was in jail! Mark just laughed and said it was David's problem and that his parents would bail him out. Even though I was angry at the way David had treated me, I still felt sorry for him. I couldn't believe Mark would be so heartless. David is his cousin after all. I asked him which police station David was at, and then I stormed off to go find him. When I arrived at the station, David looked so happy to see me. He was exhausted and said, Oh, Lou, I'm so sorry about last night. I was such an ass. Please forgive me. I still felt kinda mad at him, but I said, I forgive you. Come on, let's get you home. He kept thanking me, saying how I was the only one who cared enough about him to come bail him out. He said, When I throw a party, all my friends come. When I open expensive wine, all the girls want to be my friend. But when I land up in jail, you're the only one sweet enough to come help me. I told him that was how friends were supposed to act, and he kept smiling at me. And then something crazy happened. Right outside the police station, David turned to me and said, Listen, Lou, I like you. I know I just pretended you were my girlfriend, but I couldn't stop thinking about you in the cell last night. I was wondering, will you be my girlfriend? For real? I was shocked. I hadn't expected this at all. I mean, what was I supposed to say? I was speechless. If you want to know how I responded, stay tuned for the next episode. Which of my housemates will I end up spending the rest of my life with? Only time will tell. I was gone for five minutes, but five minutes was always enough for them. When I went back to the table where my boyfriend Mike and I were having coffee, I saw some girl who I didn't know sitting in my chair. She didn't seem bothered by the fact that my purse was hanging on the back of my chair at all. What about Mike? Well, he didn't seem to have any idea what was going on and was smiling like nothing had happened. It pissed me off. I wasn't ready to put up with another stranger this time, so I decided to act in the spirit of a typical bouncer. I walked up to her, grabbed her by the hair, and dragged her aside. Ouch! The girl screamed. What are you doing? Help! I was attacked by a psycho! You'll know how it is to hit on my boyfriend. A shocked Mike froze and decided not to interfere. Finally, I let go of the girl's hair, and she ran away so fast she should be in the Olympics. Everyone in the cafe looked at me with horror. She was messing with my boyfriend. As if apologizing, I said and returned to the table. Hi, my name is Katie. I'm a little jealous, but I can't help it. My boyfriend is incredibly handsome and graces the covers of many fashion magazines. Mike was 17, and he was already working at a very famous modeling agency. He participated in fashion shows, starred in commercials. I do not know what he saw in me, but it was love at first sight. I had just moved to a new school, and I was already head over heels in love with the handsomest guy in the world. 
That's usually how an unrequited love story starts. But I got lucky. Mike came up to me one day and said, Would you like to go to the movies? I was taken aback, but still squeezed out of myself. Uh, sure. And so we started dating. Yeah, some would say I found my happiness. And I kind of agree with that. But it wasn't that easy. Mike was never alone. He had girls around him all the time. At school, in class, at the modeling agency, cafes, movies, the playground. It was as natural for Mike as breathing. I was suffocating with jealousy. But that was just the beginning. In and out of school, I was always near him. I was more or less calm about Mike. But when he went to Paris for a week, I started going crazy. And with eyes red with fatigue, I was 24 hours a day monitoring his social media. And God forbid there was a girl in the picture. And then Mike was back and I was happy again. As for the cafe scene, yeah, I lost my temper a little bit there, but it's understandable too. Once we were supposed to do a biology project. When they started announcing couples, I had my fingers crossed. I wish it was Mike. I wish it was Mike. Miss Morris, meanwhile, announced, Katie and Rob. Oh, shit, I blurted out, but quietly. Miss Morris continued, Mike and Tiffany. It was comparable to a knockout. Tiffany is the captain of the cheerleading squad and just a walking stereotype of the school beauty. After class, I went up to Miss Morris and tried to protest her decision. But all I got in response was, Your opinion doesn't matter here. Rob, who had been standing beside me the whole time, said, Are we going to work on ours? I let out a sigh of despair and nodded affirmatively. Rob was over the moon, and I noticed that he liked me for a long time. When I found Mike at recess, I asked him, Where will you be working on the project? Tiffany invited me to her house. Cool, I think they have a hot tub. I tried not to show, but it was hard. Not only was Tiffany beautiful, but she lived in a huge mansion where she was allowed to do whatever she wanted. Her parents worshipped her like a deity. She could do nothing but dance, though. I tried to start from afar. Look, is Tiffany even good, do you think? Kind of, Mike answered briefly. And she can dance. I think so. I couldn't help but blurt it out. Do you think you could fall in love with someone like Tiffany? What? What's your point? Just answer it. I don't think I want anyone but you. I smiled, but it didn't make me feel any better. Tiffany had her eye on Mike for a long time. I knew that for a fact. She'd told her friends in the locker room once, if I was dating Mike, we'd be the prettiest couple in school. Well, that's not going to happen, I whispered. What? Mike asked back. I said I love you. I love you too. It was project day. We had to do an experiment on a live mouse and find out how the reward system worked. This required building a small cage and a cheese dispenser, like in the textbook. Generally, I loved biology, so I was sure that Rob and I would have no problem, especially since he was a straight-A student. I invited the guy over to my house. Rob showed up an hour early and brought a bag of chips and a Coke. We started working on the project, but something inside me was rebelling. I couldn't concentrate and reread the textbook page by page just to understand it. I couldn't stop thinking about Mike. Knowing that he was in Tiffany's house at the same time was excruciating. Rob, meanwhile, had finished the cheese dispenser and asked how things were. Great, 
I lied. But, you know, let's put it on hold for a while. But we have to turn it in soon. We'll make it. I wanted so badly to go to Tiffany's and take a peek at what was going on to put my mind at rest. But I didn't want to go alone either, so I lied to Rob again. Look, there's just one thing we're missing here. We need to go somewhere and get it. Why don't I run home? Rob suggested. <laughs> don't be silly, I said, and we went to Tiffany's. I didn't know what to do yet, but I was determined. Mike is a great guy, but he doesn't know how to say no. He's too cooperative, and who knows what can happen when he's around a girl like Tiffany. I knew where she lived beforehand. I guess I felt like I couldn't take it. So there we were. The house was really big, like the kind of mansions where old reclusive aristocrats live, or vampires who lure young girls there. At that moment, Tiffany herself was the kind of vampire I needed to get rid of. Here we are, I told Rob. Wow, is this Dracula's residence? <laughs> That's funny. Rob was embarrassed. All we have to do is sneak in through that window on the second floor. What? I thought we were here for a detail. Yeah, that's where Tiffany lives. And while I'm looking for the part, you're going to ring the bell and pretend you're an encyclopedia salesman. But she knows me. We're in the same class. Trust me, she has no idea who you are. Okay, fine. But I don't like it. I patted Rob on the shoulder and climbed up to the second floor, gripping the gutter tightly with my hands. It was pretty high and I didn't want to fall down and die right here in front of Tiffany's house. As I climbed onto the balcony, I looked down and waved to Rob. He waved back. I waved for him to go to the door and ring the bell. The guy left. I opened the door and went inside. Everything in Tiffany's house looked pompous and expensive. Marble floors and stairs, huge chandeliers, paintings on the walls. Yes, a vampire lives here for sure, I whispered to myself. I walked down the long hallway. I didn't know exactly where the terrible Tiffany's lair was located, where she lures naive, handsome guys like Mike. At that moment, Rob rang the doorbell. I barely had time to hide behind the curtains. First, I saw Tiffany come out of the room, and then I saw Mike. He came downstairs too. While they were gone, I slipped into the room. There was a mouse cage on the bed and a textbook next to it. Well, that doesn't mean anything yet, I decided. We need more information. I couldn't think of anything better to do than hide in the closet. A few minutes later, Mike and Tiffany returned. Rob is a weird kid, Mike said. I've never seen him before, Tiffany said. He's in my class. I still haven't figured out why he came here. Okay, let's keep going. Let's. Where were we? Something that makes you feel good. Ah, that's it! I couldn't take this betrayal anymore and jumped out of the closet. I knew it! Tiffany shrieked in horror and rushed over to Mike. You're in love with Tiffany! What are you doing here? There was no face on either of them. Watching you cheat on me. But we were just working on a project. I heard everything. Where did you settle on? What makes it fun? I mocked Mike ineptly. That's part of the experiment. You have to give the mouse food to program its actions. Without pleasure, it won't budge. There was an uncomfortable pause. We can't go on like this, Mike said irritably. What are you talking about? Your paranoia. But no, Katie, it's over. Mike, not wanting to hear my excuses, left the room. I guess you can find your own way out, Tiffany told me sarcastically and ran after Mike. I came home depressed. 
I couldn't believe Mike had left me. All because of Tiffany. Who am I kidding? My inner voice said. This was all my fault. Why did I have to go to her house? I knew Mike would never lie to me. But it was too late. I woke up with the distinct feeling that I had to get Mike back. But how? Thinking about how to get my boyfriend back, I had completely forgotten about my project with Rob. Thankfully, my classmate had done it alone. I found Mike and Tiffany at school, standing at their desks, talking. I went over to the girl. Oh, look, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to barge into your house and act stupid. What else do you call someone who doesn't trust her loving boyfriend? Anyway, I'm sorry. Okay, Tiffany replied. I went back to Rob in the mouse cage. Both of our projects got top marks. I didn't have much to do with it, though. But I promised Rob I'd go to the movies with him to see his favorite sci-fi movies sometime. Cool. The guy was happy. After class, Mike came up to me and said, as if nothing had happened, What a hassle with these mice. Try to get them to run a maze for a piece of cheese. You did it. So did you. He took my hand and walked me home. Of course, my jealousy didn't magically disappear. But at least now I wasn't sneaking into other people's houses and punching the next girl who fell in love with Mike. Beauty requires sacrifice. What would you do if all the girls at school were in love with your boyfriend and tried to take him away from you? Write your answers in the comments, like the video, and share it with your friends. My name's Grace, and I'm facing a hard choice. Money or love. After all, my crush promised to marry me if I got rid of my millions. But before I continue my story, please like this video and subscribe to the channel. I grew up in a wealthy family. My parents tried to never deny me anything since I'm their only child. So I have no idea how to live without money. Money solves everything. If you want a vacation, buy yourself a trip to the islands. If you're seriously ill, buy yourself some expensive medicine. However, not everyone shares my opinion. Unfortunately, my crush Nasfi was one of those people. I fell in love with him a year ago, and he reciprocated. And even though Nasfi wasn't very nice to reach people, he was crazy about me. And he wasn't uncomfortable by my millions. At least, that's what I thought up to a certain point. Grace, you and I have been together for a year now, and I want to ask you to be my wife. Yes! I screamed before he could finish. Wait, I have one small condition. He took my hands. And what's that? I want you to give up your millions. What? I shrieked, and I swung my hand sharply in shock. I accidentally dropped a burning candle on the table, and the tablecloth, of course, burst into flames. And there was a fire in the restaurant. People ran out into the streets in panic. And I panicked and wondered what to do. To choose money and spend my life in luxury, or choose a lover and live my life in love, old clothes, and in a box on a street like a cat family. Uh-huh. Grace, Nasfi told me, money's evil. Money is opportunity and happiness. Without it, there's no life. You're wrong, and I'll prove it to you if you agree to be my wife. Either the disgusting smell of smoke had that effect on me, or it was just love that blew my head off. But I agreed to marry Nasfi and give up my favorite green bills. That smells so good and rustle in my hands. My parents were shocked when they learned of my decision, but they didn't mind because they liked Nasfi and they respected my every wish. I left the mansion with tears in my eyes and found myself in Nasfi's old one-room apartment. 
Is there only one bathroom? I asked in shock. Well, yes. Is that really a problem for you? Of course it's a problem for me! Do I have to wait for him to shower every morning? And leave my personal belongings in the same drawer as his? What a nightmare! But I told Nasfi I'd get used to it. I thought the bathroom would be the only inconvenience in my new life. But I was wrong. Can you believe I had to cook for myself? I also had to clean up while Nasfi was at work. Even though I was in college during the day, my husband thought a woman should keep the house in order. I wasn't used to that. I used to have a maid do everything for me. And why should I do anything around the house all by myself? So, I wanted to tell Nasfi I wasn't happy. But he came from work with a big bouquet of white roses. And he hugged me. And he told me I'd make a wonderful wife. His words made me melt. But the very next day, I was snow white again. Because I couldn't figure out the washing machine. First of all, I couldn't get it to work the first time. Second of all, I put too much detergent in, and the whole bathroom was full of bubbles. Third, I threw a red stock into the white laundry. I think you can see by now that it was a disaster. I freaked out. I sat down on the floor in the foam and cried out of helplessness. I hate this life. Without money, it sucked. Grace, what's wrong? When Nasfi came home from work and saw me, he ran right over and gave me a hug. I can't live like this anymore. I can't do anything. All oh, my white clothes have turned pink. You'll learn everything, honey. The guy stroked my hand, and I pushed him away from me. I'm not going to learn. I don't want to be your servant. If I'm going to live my whole life under these conditions, I choose money over marriage to you. I see. You're just like everyone else, Nasfi said grudgingly. I'm disappointed in you. I don't give a damn. The main thing is, I'll never stand at the stove again. I'll never do your laundry again. But as soon as I got back to the mansion, to my parents, and they shocked me with terrible news, my father had gone bankrupt. His company was in serious trouble. Not only were we left without millions, but our family was also heavily in debt. We sold the mansion, a collection of cars, and my mother and I's jewelry. It was enough to buy a small apartment on the outskirts of town, which was no better than Nasfi's apartment. In the end, I had to do what I did when I lived with Nasfi. Only, I had to teach it to my mother. But she wasn't a very good student. Dinner kept burning, and the iron burned through our clothes. My dad wasn't happy, and he and my mother fought all the time. All I had to do was cry quietly, because I'd lost everything. Money and love. So one night, I decided to write to Nasfi and apologize to him for my behavior. But he didn't answer my messages. And then I saw a picture of him with another girl on social media. Who the hell is that? I squeezed my phone so hard that my hand cramped. My anger was so intense. I thought I was going to burn the apartment down. But instead, I tried to find out who this girl was. I looked at her social networking page and realized she was an angel from a simple family. She's a charity worker studying to be a doctor. A real Nasfi ideal, not like me. Honestly, at first, I wanted to just let it go, but I couldn't because the anger was tearing me apart. Nasfi was so quick to find a replacement for me, so he didn't love me that much. With that thought, I went to his house, and when the guy opened the door, I slapped him right in the face. Grace, are you crazy? He touched his cheek. 
How could you, Nasfi? I thought you left me. But as soon as I left, you found a replacement. You left me on your own. You chose money. So what? That doesn't mean I stopped loving you. Actually, I regretted my decision right away, but I realized that money really wasn't the most important thing in life. I didn't want to tell him that my family was poor, that I wanted to move out of my parents' house so I wouldn't have to be their personal maid. Really? Nasfi was surprised, and he smiled. Well, of course. I made a pretty face, and Nasfi hugged me tight. This was the picture his new girlfriend saw. She slapped him in the face for the second time that day. I wanted to jump on her with my fists, but Nasfi stopped me and told me he'd be happy to marry me. Then why'd you start seeing someone else? I don't know. Probably to piss you off, Grace. You're such a jerk! <laughs> I laughed, and I patted his hair. I moved away from my parents again. Mom even burst into tears, because now all the housework was her responsibility. Nasfi and I started a new life. He even started helping me with my chores, even though he was tired after work. I guess I was happy, although to be honest, only my millions could really make me happy. But one day, I saw Nasfi talking to this girl he used to date. He handed her something, and then he hugged her. I didn't understand the situation. I ran up to the couple and pushed the girl into a puddle, and then I slapped Nasfi in the face. The guy somehow calmed me down, and then he helped the girl up. But I put her right back where she belonged, angry that my young man was trying to help her. Grace, you got it all wrong, said Nasfi. He explained that he'd given the girl her things that she'd left in his apartment. And he hugged her, because his ex-girlfriend was having a hard time with the breakup. I almost calmed down, but then my mom came over. As luck would have it, she was walking by with a bag full of groceries. Grace, my daughter! Mom threw the bags on the ground, and then she hugged me. Please come home. I'm so tired. Did something happen? Nasfi asked. Didn't Grace tell you? Our family's broke. We're not rich anymore. I have to do everything myself. Grace used to help me, but she moved back in with you so she wouldn't have to live in the same apartment with us anymore. Nasfi was shocked when he heard that. I could see the disappointment on his face because he knew I'd lied to him. So you didn't give up the money. You just ran away from your parents. No, not exactly. Nasfi, I love you! I shouted desperately. I don't want to know anything else. He laughed, and his ex pushed me into a puddle in anger. Honestly, I didn't even want to get up, because I'd lost someone I loved, who will not take me. I helped my mother carry the bags to the apartment. There was a happy father waiting for us. He told me that his business was going well. All his millions were back, and now... We could buy a new mansion and live in luxury again, but I couldn't be happy. Because for the first time, I realized that money wasn't my first priority anymore. Without Nasfi, it didn't make me happy at all. Even a holiday on the islands didn't take my mind off my grief. I tried to call and write to the guy, but he blocked me everywhere. That's how he caught me out of his life. I didn't know anything about Nasfi for six months until a mutual friend told me he was in the hospital. My ex was riding his bike to school, and he got hit by a car. Nasfi was pretty badly injured. I rushed to the hospital right away, but they wouldn't let me in the room because I wasn't related to the guy. But we met anyway, when, after a while, Nasfi came out of the room with difficulty. Nasfi, hello! I shouted, and I waved my hand. He was shocked to see me, but he smiled anyway. 
We sat down in the hall, and I started an uncontrollable flow of speech. I apologized to the guy, then I told him I was miserable without him, then I cried and admitted that he was right about the money, and I'm sorry, Grace. I was too hard on you. I didn't think it would be hard for you to change your life like that. Nasfi took my hand, and I cried again, but this time, I was happy. Our relationship was getting better. My father bought us a nice apartment with two bathrooms, and I tried not to ask my parents for money anymore, because I wanted to do everything with Nasfi. He was happy that we got back together again, because all these six months, he can get me out of his mind and heart. That's how I realized that money solves a lot of things, but not everything. The most important thing to have is a loving and caring person by your side. Would you give up millions for love? Write your answers in the comments. Hi everyone, my name is Leslie. I live with my dad. He's a cop and controls my every move. My parents got divorced a few years ago, and I've been living with my mom all this time. However, she had to fly out of state for a year for work, and I had to move in with my dad, who lived in a small town. No, I love my dad, but the whole situation sucked. New town, new schooling classmates, and a new life, because my dad is a strict man. My mom didn't let me do much either, of course, but my dad laid out his rules right away when I came to visit. No boys, no long walks, and no parties. Also, no short dresses or skirts. Honey, I work with criminals, and I know what they can do. I want you to be safe, and I don't want you getting involved with anyone, especially Johnson. Who's Johnson? He's your future classmate. I've already checked out all your new classmates. Johnson is a frequent visitor to my station, always getting into trouble. All he can do is fight and steal. Watch out for him. He's not your kind of crowd. And when I saw this Johnson guy, I knew what my father was talking about. Dirty, unkept, very mean and arrogant. Wow, we got a princess over here. He gave me a cheeky smile. I was startled and immediately pepper sprayed him in the face because what my dad said about this guy really affected me. Hey, is that how a princess greets people? The troublemaker was indignant and covered his face with his hands. Everyone just laughed at him and gave me a thumbs up. I thought that such an unconventional introduction would help me avoid Johnson's attention. But after class, some guys grabbed me. Hey doll, wanna introduce yourself? Leave me alone, I said trying to get out of their grasp. Why are you so boring? Come with us, let's have some fun. Hey, the lady said she didn't want to talk to you, said Johnson, and he got into a fight with these guys. He quickly scattered them and then asked me if I was all right. I was really scared, but I was also shocked, which made me speechless for a moment. And then my dad showed up at the wrong time to pick me up. He saw me next to Johnson. Hands off my daughter, Brandon. My father said sternly, Ah, so the princess is your daughter. The boy smiled. All I did was help her. Don't go within a mile of her, understand? Or you'll spend the night at the station, behind bars. I'd be happy to. I haven't been there for a whole week. Brandon grinned. I couldn't even stand up for him, which made me feel insanely ashamed. At home, my dad told me again to stay away from Brandon and reminded me not to hang out with boys until college. Otherwise, my schoolwork would suffer and any boy who dares to go out with me would suffer too. I'm sure my dad was serious about it. It was really boring at home. I finished all my homework. Dad was watching baseball on TV. I couldn't go out. Besides, I didn't really have anyone to go out with, and I felt terribly lonely. 
I called my mother, but she couldn't talk to me for long because she was busy. In the morning, for the first time in years, I was excited to go to school. I found Brandon and thanked him for rescuing me yesterday. The best thank you is if I could copy your homework, he said. I didn't care, so I gave him my notebook. I noticed, however, that Brandon was having trouble reading. Are you a bad reader? I asked him. Yes, he admitted and blushed. Don't you like books? I don't have time to read. I'm busy surviving. Is there a desert island around here? I joked. I don't have a home. Brandon answered calmly. My parents abandoned me, and I ran away from the orphanage a long time ago. They weren't treating me well. My heart sank, and in a rush of emotion, I hugged Brandon. I started rambling about how I didn't know about his situation, and that I was sorry that this happened to him. And Brandon responded with a smile, saying that it was okay. I looked at him from a different perspective. He has no parents. Nobody cares about him. That's why he's acting like this. Maybe he's trying to get in trouble on purpose to spend the night at dad's station because it's warmer there after all. I told my dad about it. He said he knew perfectly well that Johnson didn't have a home or parents. But what bothers me more is that you started hanging out with him. Leslie, what did I tell you? He'll screw you over. You'll cry over him. I agreed with dad and started avoiding Brandon, even though it was really hard. The guy kept calling me princess, which I loved and tried to start a conversation. I couldn't resist, and we started chatting in secret. After school, I'd go to the town library, where Brandon would come and I'd teach him how to read and write. And in order to get him to practice more often, I gave him my old phone, and now we text every night. I told Brandon that my dad controlled everything, even my texts, so I had to delete them. My new friend called him the dragon, who holds the beautiful princess captive. Well, that's partially true. And then Brandon asked me out. Dad was on the night shift, so I said yes. He took me to the park, where we could see the beautiful starry sky. And then he timidly took my hand. I blushed. My heart stopped for a second, but I didn't take my hand away. I never held hands with a guy before in my life. Suddenly, however, we were blinded by headlights. Leslie, what's going on? Why aren't you home? And what's Johnson doing next to you? We were just taking a walk, I mumbled. Get in the car, and you're going to spend the night in jail, you little shit. Gladly. Brandon smiled and winked at me. At the station, in his office, my father decided to have a serious talk with me. He decided to tighten his control, so he assigned a young intern to me, Rick. Now he had to watch my every move. I freaked out and went home. In the morning, I walked to school accompanied by Rick. The intern was sympathetic but he couldn't help but obey my father's orders. I was embarrassed walking around the school with a cop. The kids were looking at me sideways. Everyone avoided me. Well, I'll never make any friends here now, and I don't think Brandon is gonna talk to me after last night. But once Brandon was out on the street, he texted me right away. I told him about my situation and the cop controlling my every move. Brandon promised to do something about it. And in the evening, when my father went to bed, Someone knocked on my window. When I opened the curtains, I saw Brandon. I immediately let the guy in the room. You're crazy, I said quietly with a smile. Dad is home. Yeah, but he goes to bed at the same time. I noticed that a long time ago, being at the station. Besides, I don't want my princess to get bored. I chatted quietly with Brandon. I went on to teach him. And then my friend confessed that no one had ever treated him with such kindness before and he wasn't even comfortable accepting my help at first. 
Usually everyone avoids me because I'm the school's biggest troublemaker. Princesses like you just look at me with contempt. And you, Leslie, are not like that. You're very kind. He took my hand again, and I couldn't resist kissing him on the cheek. We texted in class, and after school, we continued texting each other. Dad calmed down and finally got Rick off my back. He also noticed that Johnson hadn't been in a station in a long time. Meanwhile, I helped Brandon get a job at the car wash. You don't have to steal anymore to survive. My dad's friend works here. I made a deal with him. Your shifts will start after school. Thank you, princess. You're a real lifesaver. A few days later, my dad told me he saw Brandon at the car wash. He was surprised because the kid was finally doing something right and started making money. I was pleased. Maybe dad would let us hang out. I secretly brought lunches to Brandon at work, and unfortunately, dad's friend reported it to dad. He confronted me in front of Brandon, but my friend stood up for me. Your control has turned Leslie into an uptight girl. She has no friends at all because of your intern, who's been following her around. Everybody's avoiding her now. Not up to you, Johnson, to decide how she lives her life. I'm her father, and I know best. You get on with your work and your life. Daddy asked Rick to keep an eye on me again. Only now I couldn't go anywhere after school, so I had to stay home all day. Brandon would come over in the evenings, but his visits became rare because of his night job. He wanted to get a flat so he could stop looking for a place to stay every night. And then one evening, while Brandon was visiting me, my father suddenly woke up. He had an emergency at work, so he came in to let me know. He was furious when he saw Brandon and told me I was moving back with my mother and I will never see this troublemaker again. Daddy, no, please! I almost begged. I said it all, Leslie. He took Brandon out of my room and drove him to the station. The next day, I was sitting on an airplane, crying. I loved hanging out with Brandon. I really liked him, too. It was going to be hard for him to be without me. I mean, he had no friends and no support at all. My father told my mother, and she agreed with the punishment. She didn't want me getting involved with homeless troublemakers either. However, Brandon and I continued to text each other anyway. He told me he was having a hard time without me, and I told him I was bored without him. Sometimes we'd turn on the camera, and we'd go for walks like that. I knew I wouldn't see Brandon for a long time or ever, because we were separated by a few thousand miles. But I hoped that in a year, things would get better, because my mom and I would be back home, and I wouldn't be so far away from Brandon. But things didn't go according to plan, because mom was offered a permanent job. And of course, she said yes. I was devastated that I would never see Brandon again. He really stole my heart and soul. Several months had passed. Brandon hadn't returned my calls or messages for a week. I realized that he was bored communicating this way and must have found someone else. But then one day, someone knocked on our door. And when I opened it, I couldn't help but shout with joy. I immediately threw myself into Brandon's arms. My princess, I missed you so much. Me too. He said he'd been saving up since I left because he couldn't bear to be away from me. Brandon said he was going to live in this town now, to be close to me. My mother was against our relationship, and she and my father tried to convince me not to waste my time with Brandon. But he soon proved to them that he had changed, and my parents said we could see each other. Are your parents strict too? Write your answers in the comments. I'd love to read them. Bye! Hey guys, my name is Gloria. And you won't believe it, but I eat money. I love its taste and crunch. 
but it was not always like this. It's just that at some point I wanted to try something new in my life. To be honest, this turned into certain trouble for me. I live in a very wealthy family. My parents are big businessmen who sell cars all over the world, so I have everything that any teenager can dream of, and even more than that. For example, on my 13th birthday, my parents gave me a yacht on which I had a cool party, and when I turned 14, I got a helicopter. And if you think that's cool, you're wrong. You see, when a person doesn't have a lot of money, they can dream and get incredible emotions from purchases. But I can't do that. I have everything, and I no longer dream of anything. And new expensive things do not evoke any emotions in me. Lately, I have lived as if in a vacuum that was covered with gold. Everything around me was shining and sparkling, but this didn't impress me. However, one day, everything changed. Once, my classmates and I were hiking, but had a little trouble. The branches of the trees were wet because of the recent rain, which, by the way, hadn't been mentioned in the weather forecast. In addition, Leo even forgot to take paper, despite the fact that he was responsible for the things that were necessary for the fire. This meant that we would not be able to make it. We were already getting a bit nervous because Leo's lips were blue from cold, and my hands became numb. The rest of my classmates tried to keep warm by hugging each other. We needed too much time to go back, but we were already exhausted so we had to stay there and shiver with cold. Some of us have already begun to think that we would freeze to death there. And for some reason, it was at this moment that one brilliant idea came to my mind. I completely forgot that I had several bundles of notes in my backpack. I took them out, calmly set them on fire, and then put more or less dry branches on them. This was how we got fire. The guys didn't cry as much from the horror stories that we told each other on the way as from me burning the money. They were really upset seeing this, while I actually felt some kind of pleasure. I loved seeing shocked faces around me, and it evoked emotions in me. I decided not to stop there. So when I got home, I ordered the housekeeper to light the fireplace. And when the flame was blazing in it, I was throwing green bills there. I enjoyed watching the fire consuming them, because at that moment, I felt almost like the lord of the world who could afford anything. However, I quickly got tired of it, and again I found myself in a void. But I did not want to be there so much that I decided to do another crazy thing. I smashed my car, which cost several million with a bat. And after that, I cut many of my branded clothes with scissors. But the problem is that I still do not feel joy and happiness at all. And then, one evening, while suffering from idleness, I was watching a YouTube video of a girl eating a $100 bill. At that moment, I thought that she was crazy. But a little later, this idea seemed very tempting to me. I took a $10 bill tore it in half, and ate it. Well, you won't believe it, but I even liked the taste of money. 
Also, the note crunched so cool on my teeth. And since then, I ate several bills every day. Once, I came up with the idea of making a salad out of money and adding garlic sauce to it. (laughs) That was yummy. But then I wanted to show everyone how cool I was. Right at school, I made myself a sandwich with $100 bills and ate it in front of my classmates, licking my fingers. They were shocked and asked why I was doing this. I replied that I liked the taste of money and then suggested that they try the wonderful sandwich too. Leo said that I was nuts and I was doing some kind of bullshit. Because of my antics, I lost a friend who, for some reason, didn't want to talk to me. He began to ignore me, and it seemed silly to me because I did not judge him for eating a lot of burgers. However, Leo's ignoring did not stop me, and every day I continued to eat money in the school cafeteria. The guys told me that I was crazy while I found their reaction funny, and then I decided to go to a new level. After coming to the park, I sat down on a bench, took out my wallet, and started eating money. I also made a thick straw out of bills and began drinking a milkshake. Some people were looking back at me, while others were making comments, and one guy even took my wallet with money and ran away with it. I just laughed at it, because it was already empty. Then some old lady sat down next to me, and after looking at what I was doing, she condemned me and said that I did not value anything in this life. I didn't want to listen to the moral teachings on how I should behave, so I decided to visit my favorite cafe to get a coffee and cheesecake. But this turned out to be a real disaster for me because I was badly poisoned and in the evening called an ambulance to be taken to the hospital. While I was lying in the ward after the stomach wash and waiting for my test results, I published an angry review on the page of that cafe mentioning that one could easily get poisoned there. However, when the doctor entered the room, he said that the printing ink caused my poisoning. He asked what I had eaten on that day, and I told him everything, emphasizing on the coffee and cheesecake. But the doctor said that my addiction to banknotes, which were soaked in a very dangerous and toxic paint, was to blame. He added that if I had continued to do the same thing, I would have died of poisoning very soon. I immediately deleted the review from the restaurant page and thought that I would again have to look for some crazy way to evoke emotions in myself. And I will also have to say goodbye to the wonderful taste of money. This made me really upset. And because of negative thoughts, I could no longer stay in bed. I decided to take a short walk down the hospital corridor and call my parents. They were abroad at that moment, but promised to send a driver with a package of normal food. And when I was waiting for it, I noticed a girl not far from me who was sitting on a chair and reading a book. I was very bored and decided to chat with her. Her name was Dina, and she also got to the hospital because of poisoning. We got into a conversation and I thought that Dina was a very interesting girl who was wise beyond her years. When I was handed a whole bag of groceries, I was very happy, and then I noticed with what desire Dina looked at it. I asked if she had anything to eat besides hospital food, and she said that her parents didn't have the money to buy that much food. 
It turned out that Dina was from a poor family, where all the attention was devoted to her disabled younger brother. He needed care and expensive medicines, which consumed most of the family budget. Dina said that she was not mad at her parents because they were trying to help him. Her story moved me, so I gave her my entire package. I also felt terribly ashamed. For a long time, I did not know what to do with money, and because of that, I started eating it. While many people cannot afford even basic food, what a blind idiot I was. Before my discharge, I handed Dina a check for $100,000 to make it easier for her family to support the children. She refused it at first, but I still convinced her to accept the check. And then I decided to help other children and families. That's why I gave all my pocket money to charity funds, so that there would be more and more happy and healthy people in this world every day. Why haven't I thought about this before? It's so great to help others. While being engaged in charity work, I finally began to experience vivid emotions, which were, in fact, only positive. It was much cooler than burning and eating money because they made me feel relevant and useful. If you had as much money as I do, what would you do with it? Give your answers in the comments. Don't forget to click on the thumbs up button below the video and be sure to share it with your friends. Bye-bye. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.